From the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you. As you know, I'm watching the monitor here for, you know, we're on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domestic church media, and uh, we're coming to you live. So if you want to watch the program, you can do that. But I was watching the intro here, and I don't, I don't control the camera. The camera controls itself. It's one of these AI cameras that decides what shots to put on. But I thought it was neat when I was watching the intro there that it was focusing in on a holy family. We have this beautiful uh, statue of the holy family here in the studio with us, and it was shot right there with the little mural of Rome in the background. So I like that. Catholic, Catholic, Catholic. <laughs> That's what we are. And uh, we're proud to say that, you know, stand up for our faith and be Catholic. Uh, that's why you're here, I think, because you like Catholic radio. And if you're not Catholic, stick around. You might decide to become one of us. Actually, we're all called to be brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are. And the Lord, when he founded this beautiful church 2,000 years ago, on the rock of St. Peter for 2,000 years, has been here proclaiming that beautiful gospel message and the beautiful teachings of our Lord. So, Anyway, let's uh, move on. <laughs> just got a little distracted when I saw the, the monitor here and I saw what the uh, cameras were shooting. But yeah, these cameras, you know, we have the cameras in the studio and uh, I don't control them. No one controls them. It just They just decide, the camera just decides what shot to take and it's a pretty neat, pretty neat uh, technology. Uh, and we're going to have more cameras in this studio sometime soon. Another hint, hint to you. Um I'm so excited about this. There's a lot of things happening. And, you know, I, I've thrown out, and, and again, I can't get into any much, much more detail, but I, I'll, put, I'll tell you this. I have put out into the deep. I've cast the nets out into the deep for another particular project that I need to work on uh, to help us here at the Apostolate. And so say some prayers for that as we pray uh, for, for those. The Lord knows what it is. And I'll be able to share it all with you uh, soon. But, you know, right now I have to, Kind of keep my lips sealed a little bit, but I'm happy you're here. Today's Thursday. Uh, I'm making it a throwback Thursday, and uh, I'm going to go back to, let me get in front of me here. Uh, let's see, this is February 21st, 1996, 25 years ago. February 21st, 1996, our dear Holy Father, St. Pope John Paul II, his Ash Wednesday general audience. So we'll do this on Thursday. I think it's neat. You go back. I'll find, you know, now on the Internet you can find so much. And anyway, here's something from St. Pope John Paul II for Lent 1996, 25 years ago, February 21st. We'll share that with you. And then it is Catechism Day. And today I thought in the Catechism, you know, we were talking about it yesterday. This is a penitential season, of course, the season of Lent. So maybe the next few Wednesdays that we have here and the remaining Wednesdays of Lent We'll go to the Catechism on sac the, the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. It's so important that we really, really understand the, the beauty of that sacrament and take advantage of every opportunity to partake in that sacrament. So let's go to the Catechism a little later on, on the teaching on the Sacrament of Penance 
and reconciliation. But first, we're going to pray, my dear friends. And uh, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, and of course we have four magnificent radio stations right here in New Jersey that cover good parts of New Jersey, part of Pennsylvania, a little bit of Delaware, a little bit of uh, Brooklyn and Staten Island, New York. Um, But of course, with all the technology that we use, we are reaching around the world, both with our streaming audio, our Amazon Echo and Google Home presence, as well as our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, also facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. We're streaming both audio, I'm sorry, we're streaming video on Facebook and on our homepage, streaming both audio and video at domesticchurchmedia.org. So, so many ways to get the word out there and so many ways, my brothers and sisters, that we can bring Christ to so many people around the world. We thank God for that, and I thank God for you being here with me. Let's pray, and we're praying this beautiful prayer of consecration to the Holy Family of Nazareth, and uh, I invite you to uh, consecrate your family to the Holy Family. We are sending these cards, and we're not getting a lot of requests for them. I really thought we'd get a lot more, but but they're free. <laughs> but we are, we are getting a, a replenished supply, hopefully, next week. Uh, because the first um, batch that we had, they're gone. We already sent all those out. So I guess I shouldn't say we're not getting a lot of requests. We are, but let's get more. Uh, and they're free. We don't charge for them. We just have to You go to our website and, and, and request them, and we'll get them out to you. But let's pray this prayer of consecration together as we gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work We entrust our family to you. Holy family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous towards those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And again, our prayer to St. Michael and the beautiful Subtum Presidium prayer to our Blessed Mother, Holy Father, asks us every day to pray these prayers to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we add to that the intention to protect our church from the attacks of the devil as well as protect our families from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers. O glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. 
And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my brothers and sisters, I thank you so much for praying together. And let's just keep each other in prayer and keep the special intentions that we have here at Domestic Church Media in your prayers. You know, we, there's so much, as I say it every day, and I mean it, there's so much more we are being called to do, I believe, and so much more to do. The, the mission fields are ripe. And as I said yesterday, I do believe that the Lord is raising up saints in every walk of life, in every vocation, not just those of us who are in official uh, apostolate or ministry, but he's raising up saints in every walk of life, every state of life, men, women, young people, because the world needs that light of Christ shining brightly uh, through so all of his brothers and sisters, all of his disciples around the world. So let's keep praying for that. And if we can be a resource for you, a source of encouragement, a source of information, whatever we can do for you to help build up your spiritual life so that we can, as we talked about yesterday, build up the body of Christ. We were sharing from the a beautiful document from Lumen Gentium on the laity that we are, as lay people, called to build up the body of Christ, not tear it down, <laughs> but to build up. You know, I was driving into work today, and, you know, Cheryl and I, we've been, we've been uh, this is how we met. We met through music. Uh, we, we, you know, I sang, she played, the Lord brought us together. We, we performed a little bit. We still, and then for years, did liturgical music. She still, of course, is the liturgical uh, music director at uh, St. Magdalene's up in Flemington, and director of liturgy, but music has always been a special part. And, and, and you know, music, uh, do you ever have that situation where you, you hear a, a particular song and your mind immediately goes back to a, a time, a specific time in your life, maybe initially just a general, general time, like, oh, that's from high school, but then all of a sudden you think, you're thinking about high school and you narrow it down to a particular episode in high school that that song really had some, some type of meaning, right? Um, I was driving to work today, and, you know, I do listen to, to our station a lot most of the time. <laughs> but today I came in, and I don't know why. I have that little Amazon uh, Alexa in my car. So all I have to do in my car is say, play domestic church media, and there we are. We're on loud and clear on my car radio. Uh, and I, and, But today I was driving in, and I, th- I just was feeling, you know, I want to reminisce. I don't know what it was, but something— so I, there, there's a station on the Amazon Alexa device where you can say, play Mellow 70s Gold. <laughs> mellow 70s Gold. It's all like the, um, the, uh, the mellow pop songs from the 1970s, my high school days and college days. Well, the song by Billy Joel came on, Piano Man, right? And now I, having been from, from 1975 to... Uh, 1985, when I met Cheryl, for 10 years, uh, I spent most of my weekends, Fridays and Saturdays, singing in clubs and in, in bars, specifically one particular uh, club or restaurant that I sang in and played in from 1970, I think 1978 through 1984 or something, uh, if you're familiar with the area up in the Highland Park, New Jersey, which is in Middlesex County, there was a place called Mamie O'Rourke's. 
And every Friday and Saturday night, I played the banjo and guitar and sang. I had a piano player there, and we did that for... But the song Piano Man, really, Billy Joel really nailed it on that one as far as getting down what it's like to be an entertainer in a place, in a venue like that. And every time I hear that song, I think of my days when we used to play on Friday and Saturday nights. We'd start at 9 o'clock at night. We'd finish at almost 2 in the morning. You know, and you just play and sing, and the crowds come in. And it's the, and, and Billy Joel in that song, if you know the song, it set it up so well. But there's a line in the beginning where... John at the bar is a friend of mine. He gets me my drinks for free. Um, uh, I forget. He'll, oh, he'll tell you a joke and light up your smoke, but there's some place that he'd rather be, right? Well, for as long as I was at Mamie O'Rourke's in Highland Park, the bartender was a friend of mine named Joe. He was an older man. I was in my 20s. He was in his early 50s. And he would do that. Joe would get me my drinks for free, and he'd, he'd and at the time I did smoke, I hate to say, but I did, and he would light up your smoke, and he'd tell you a joke, but he didn't want to be there. And I began to think about Joe, the bartender at Mamie O'Rourke's, uh, who was a, became a good friend of mine, because during, before and after my sets, you know, we'd sit down at the bar, and we'd talk, we'd chat, and we'd even socialize sometimes with uh, him and his uh, his friends. But Joe was an Italian man, raised Catholic. He was an, had been an altar boy. He was raised, he grew up in Newark, and he had just you know not, just a, a very misguided life. He he was divorced. He had children. He was um, at the time actually living with a woman. And at the time, I was teaching religion. That's I was by day. I was a religion teacher by night, a saloon singer. And I would have I would have. I remember having had conversation with him about the faith. You know, I was still obviously a practicing Catholic. I was teaching religion, and I didn't. I wasn't bashing him for his lifestyle or or chastising him for having, you know, left the church, strayed a bit here, strayed a lot. But we'd have nice discussions, and then one time, Joe had a a heart attack. And he was in the hospital. And his birthday, I'll never forget, his birthday was New Year's Eve, July, December 31st. So he had had the heart attack. I had just met Cheryl, actually. Just met Cheryl. And, um, but it was it's Christmas time, I guess, and he had the heart attack. He was, he was in the hospital. And I guess I couldn't see him. He may have been in intensive care. But I, I remember buying for him and having it sent to the hospital room a statue of St. Joseph. It just Something told me, send Joe the statue of St. Joseph. It's his patron. He's in the hospital. He, he, he had a heart attack. He's in serious condition. Maybe this will help him be drawn back to the church. And don't you know, it wasn't long after that when I got a call. It was Joe. He was in the hospital, feeling a little better. And he said, uh, hey, Jimmy. he talked with that little gruff voice. He was a smoke. Hey, Jimmy. I said, Joe, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling okay. I'm getting better. He said, thanks for the statue. I really appreciate it. It means a lot. And I said, that's great, Joe. I'm glad. St. Joseph will take care of you. And he said, well, let me tell you. He goes, I want to tell you this. A priest came into the room a couple days ago. And I said, that's good. And he goes, yeah, you know what? I made a confession and I received communion for the first time in, in, in 20 years. And it made me so happy. And he was, he was so happy. 
And I was thanking God that, you know, St. Joseph really took care of him. You know, he really did. And that was that was uh, probably January, February of that year. And it wasn't too much long after, longer after that uh, that Joe had a second heart attack and died. And isn't it funny? I, I, all this came back. I was listening, again, listening to, you know, a song from 1976, 5, whatever it was, that Piano Man was, was a hit. And I never forget that line. Joe at the bar is a friend of mine. He get, Or John, in my case, it was Joe. He gets me my drinks for free. He'll light up your smoke and tell you a joke, but there's some place that he'd rather be in. Those conversations, I don't know whether maybe, I, then I think, okay, so Joe needed some prayers today. Maybe he's still doing some time in purgatory. And I went in the chapel and said some prayers for Joe this morning. So all that, you know, the thing is, I guess my point in all this is to, to always be aware of, of those signal graces in your life where God leads you to something, someone, some action, whatever it might be. But I, I think of I think of that sometimes, you know, so many years ago now. Um, but what a what a great blessing it was for me to be able to be part of his reversion, in a sense, coming back to the Lord in that way through again good Saint Joseph's intercession during this beautiful month of March. So, a little Saint Joseph story and a little music story. But yeah, that song, that Billy Joel song. I tell you what, anybody who ever sang in a club or performed. In in you know bars, little situations like that, that song really he he got it. He, he obviously he did it himself in the early days, because it was so much. It, it strikes home so so much. But God bless my friend Joe, and I pray that he's in the arms of the Lord right now. Let's go to this. Uh, this is from 1996, 25 years ago. February 21st was Ash Wednesday. St. Pope John Paul II gave a general audience. So I'll, I'll, make, I'll make Thursdays as much as I can, throwback Thursdays. We'll go back 25 years to the pontificate of John Paul II. And he said, Today, Ash Wednesday, Lent begins a strong liturgical time during which Christians are called to fix their gaze on Jesus, to follow him on his journey towards Easter. John Paul said in this spiritual journey, which has the Easter Triduum as its point of arrival, the Christian community rediscovers its vocation as a redeemed people called to live the death of Christ in order to participate in his resurrection. By having more intimate experience of him, it is renewed in faith, hope, and love. Through listening to the word, prayer, penance, and the practice of charity towards needy brothers, the church takes part in the very life of Christ who faced the experience of the desert, fasts, overcomes temptation, and then follows the path of humble and suffering servant to the cross. In Christ, the church relives the Easter exodus, which will lead her to a more intense awareness of her reality as a people of the new covenant, summoned for praise in listening to the word and in the joyful experience of the Lord's wonders. John Paul said, the entire liturgy of Lent, so we're right in the middle of this right now, right? The entire liturgy of Lent reminds believers of the grace that is offered to them every year as a sign of God's merciful love. And today's liturgical celebration with the imposition of ashes spurs the faithful to conversion, that is, to let themselves be involved in this time of salvation. And I guess this is also why I was thinking of my my friend Joe, who, who died 35 years ago. 
but who had that moment of conversion in his hospital bed that he probably never thought he would have had. It wasn't Lent. Yeah, well, I'm getting close to Lent, though, I think, at that point. <laughs> but it was through, I believe, strongly believe, through the, the, the strong intercession of good St. Joseph, who uh, by myself, again, not through me, but the Holy Spirit through me, uh, sending a reminder to Joe in the way of a statue uh, that St. Joseph, his patron, was watching over him and leading him back to Jesus. So in this time of salvation, John Paul said the words of the a pre, a preface of Lent are significant. And this is from the Roman Missal for the preface of Lent 1. Now, this is 25 years ago. I don't know if it's the same, but it says, Every year you give your faithful the opportunity to prepare themselves with joy, purified in spirit for the celebration of Easter, so that, assiduous in prayer and active charity, they may participate in the mysteries of redemption and reach fullness of new life in Christ your Son. Holy Father John Paul said, The Christian, therefore, lives Lent, and so think about right now. We're in Lent, okay? It's not just this isn't just he gave it on Ash Wednesday, but it's the setting up of the entire season. The Christian therefore lives Lent. We live this season as a privileged time to rediscover the grace of baptism and to prepare ourselves to celebrate in joy with a free and reconciled heart the Easter gift of divine sonship. John Paul said. The Spirit who guided Jesus on his way to Easter also pushes the baptized to follow him into the desert. That's where we are right now. We're in this Lenten desert, right? To confirm them in their fidelity to God and to his plan in the face of the recurring temptations of materialism, power, and infidelity. All this is an atmosphere of intimate reflection, constant listening, and trusting prayer. So that's kind of lent in a nutshell there by John Paul, right? Let's, let's read that again. That the Spirit who guided Jesus to Easter also pushes us, the baptized, to follow our Lord into the desert, to confirm us in our fidelity to God and to his plan, in the face, and we talked about this yesterday, the face of recurring temptation. Those temptations always come. Now, John Paul specifically mentions three, the, the temptations of materialism. And we think about, you know, our culture here in this country. You know, it's, uh, and I'm guilty, you know, I, I think we all pretty much are. Especially now, Cheryl and I were laughing the other day, you know, when you were, Used to be in the old days, and maybe some of you still do this. I I don't. I just if I if I need something, <laughs> you know, or I have to get something instead of running to the store, a department store or a mall because I can't stand malls. Something about all the lights and the and the environment. I don't. I just don't, I never like malls. Now I just sit there on my phone and pull up my Amazon app and boom 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 boom, and the next day it's at my doorstep. And it's a lot easier that way. <laughs> For me personally. But, you know, we don't need all this stuff. There was something I saw on on uh, Facebook today, one of those memes. Maybe it was yesterday. One of those memes that said, um, are you with me? Question mark. You don't need anything from Amazon today. Amazon is, is too simple. 
right? To, 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 to purchase things and become materialistic, to get things, you know, delivered to your doorstep. So we want to, in the face of these, the Holy Father John Paul II said 20, 25 years ago, the recurring temptations of materialism and then mater- the, the, the temptation of power and infidelity. All this, he said, in an atmosphere of intimate reflection, constant listening, and trusting prayer. That should be part of our daily Lenten journey. Intimate reflection, constant listening, and trusting prayer. John Paul said Lent, with its austere itinerary, helps all of us to become aware of the spiritual risks to which our lives are exposed and at the same time encourages us to open our eyes to the wonderful prospects of the Christian vocation. So you, again, the, just the, the visual of that, the spiritual risks to which our lives are exposed regularly. He says, the image of the desert, typical of this period, places man with realism in front of the result of his detachment from the one who is the source of life. Without God, John Paul said, existence becomes empty, meaningless, barren of authentic affection and great ideals, unaware of generosity, love, and forgiveness. So we can think about that, and and I'll read this again, and picture our current culture, especially so many people, sadly, who are allowing themselves to fall into a uh, secularist, human secularist, humanist uh, ideology where, without God, their existence becomes empty, meaningless, barren of authentic affections and great ideals, unaware of generosity, love, and forgiveness. Why are so many people so lost and so, and, and you know, the, the, the world seems to be a very cold place in so many areas of life. There's so much hatred. There's so much division. There's so much anger. There's so much deception. Because they've allowed themselves to remove God from the fabric of our culture. John Paul said, on the other hand, In this Lenten season, the liturgy invites us to consider the human condition in the light of divine mercy, envisaging the concrete possibility of salvation. Like the prodigal son, is the I'm sorry, like like the prodigal son, is the memory of the father to instill confidence in those who have sinned and made him take the way back, urging him to listen to every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And we, we, again, I'm sure we all have people we know, family members, friends, acquaintances, who have left the church. And again, we talk about the current situation over the past year. It's almost a year now. I guess it was on March 16th or 17th, I guess, right around St. Joseph's Day, where the entire country shut down. Remember that. It was actually maybe it was earlier than that because I think Cheryl and I were, we were flying, on um, the eleventh of March, 
back from back from EWTN last year, and I believe the very next day everything shut down. We got out <laughs> and on a plane just before everything uh, shut down. So it'll be, it's a year, right? It's a year, and what has what has that done? Especially when the church is closed, and you couldn't even go into a church. You couldn't even get to mass. Now we can, thanks be to God. Yes, limited access and all the other you know mandates and restrictions. But remember, there was a time a couple of months last year where we could not even get into a church. We could not even receive Holy Communion. We couldn't even go to confession. That truly was a Lenten desert, wasn't it? A little better this year. Not the same yet, but we're getting there, hopefully. But when you uh, put all that in perspective, and then all of the people who in the since then and now many people have obviously because you can have gone back to mass but many people have not even returned yet they've been they've they've not been to a mass in 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 a year they've not received the eucharist in a year and what has that done to them what where especially those who were nominal in their faith who may decide you know what why should i go back I've been away for a year. There was no issue. I wasn't struck by lightning. I'm, I'm, and all of the rationalization, justification people may do to justify not coming back to Mass. What's going to happen? This, this is the, the, the danger of an attitude of, of not desiring to be with the Lord in liturgy, in sacrament. So Holy Father pointed that out. This is, again, this is John Paul II 25 years ago. All right, listen, I, I'm going to break that. I can't get through the rest of it, but uh, let's let's take a break, come back. I want to go to the catechism today because it is Thursday, and today and for the next uh, few weeks in uh, on Thursdays in Lent, we'll go to this section on the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. So stay where you are. There is more to come. Don't go away. are on EWTN Radio. We want listeners to see that God has a unique and unrepeatable plan for their lives and how to rejoice in the work God's doing in their hearts and in their homes. God wants to set us free to live more abundantly. More to Life explores what that really looks like, living it out in our everyday life and relationships. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. Heard right here on Domestic Church Media weekdays at 10. Have you downloaded the Domestic Church Media app for all your mobile devices? It's free and enables you to stay in touch with Domestic Church Media and all we have to offer. You can tune into our live broadcast 24-7 as well as listen to our archives and podcasts. And you can even watch our local DCM programs live on our YouTube channel 
or watch the archive programs all on your phone or tablet. In addition to all things DCM, you'll also have so many other resources right at your fingertips. The free Domestic Church Media mobile app also gives you the daily Mass readings, the Liturgy of the Hours, numerous common prayers and novenas, and daily saints of the day. And that's not all. The Domestic Church Media mobile app also includes the complete Catechism of the Catholic Church, the entire Bible, as well as multiple Catholic periodicals and newspapers like the National Catholic Register, Our Sunday Visitor, and so many others. Plus, you'll have access to all our local diocesan newspapers and so much more. Go to your app store today and download the free Domestic Church Media mobile app. We know you'll love it. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. You will often hear people say, Oh, Jesus was a great teacher. Really, he and Lincoln and Plato have done a great deal for the world. And if we wanted to solve all of our economic and social problems, all we would have to do is read the Beatitudes of Jesus. People who talk that way do not understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Redeemer of the world. For them, Jesus is just another man. Why do they not know him? Because they do not have the Spirit. And why do they not have the Spirit? Because they have not obeyed the law of God that they knew. As our Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Then the Holy Spirit will manifest himself to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Father Benedict Groeschel. I must tell you that from what I observe from very young people, all of these blasphemers, all of these mockers are in for a tough time. Because the devil bites his own tail. And I find among young people a growing reverence and longing for God. I find a decline in the cynicism and skepticism around it. Because it had to destroy itself. No one can live on being an enemy of God. It's too crazy. It's too absurd. It's too dark. It's too bleak. God is beautiful. God is holy. Why in the world mock God? The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. From Lahaska to Long Branch. Solberry to Seaside Park. Atlantic Highlands to Allentown. Ocean Grove to Oxford Valley. Little Silver to Lower Makefield. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Well, welcome back, uh, friends, on this uh, lovely March 4th, 2021. I'm praying you're having a blessed, happy, holy, and healthy day, and thanking you for taking some time out of your day to be with me and all of our family who gathers here at this hour. Uh, tomorrow, of course, first Friday already, the first Friday in March. Hmm, can you believe it? Well, that means we have our local first Friday lineup. And, of course, uh, that means 3 o'clock. Bishop O'Connell will be here with the Shepherd's Voice, and I know the bishop has a lot to share with you. Uh, Cheryl and I, of course, will be here from 4 to 6 for Friday Live. And one of our guests tomorrow uh, is a gentleman uh, by the name of Tom Furton. 
And Tom is an ethicist at the National uh, Catholic Bioethics Center over here in Philadelphia. And uh, Tom is uh, Ted is going to talk about the uh, moral and ethic um, uh, conditions surrounding the vaccines, specifically the new Johnson and Johnson vaccine. So we want to talk to uh, uh, Ted Furton tomorrow, an ethicist from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. So he'll be here tomorrow with us on Friday's program, as well as uh, two hours of all kinds of stuff. We hope he can join us for that. And then at 6 o'clock, Bill Maher and George Rose will be here with Brothers in Arms. And tomorrow they have a special in-studio guest, uh, a young lady by the name of uh, Kim Sanford. And Kim is the founder of Options for Women Options for Women Center, a crisis pregnancy center here in the Trenton area. So Kim will be their guest. And then at 7 o'clock, uh, Father Steve DeLacy with the Vocation Hour. So I hope you will tune in tomorrow uh, at the 3 o'clock hour for all of our local programming. But, of course, uh, throughout the day, there's always I've been sending out every day a daily e-blast kind of sharing with you what's coming up on all the programs that we have to offer, beginning with um, uh, Sister Ann Shields and, and uh, Fire on the Earth in the morning. And then, of course, uh, 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 Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, followed by all the rest of our program. So uh, if you're on our email list, you get that every day, and hopefully you're enjoying that, at least preparing, giving you something to look forward to, to listen to. Um, a lot of things go on. A lot of things happening here at Domestic Church Media. God is being so good to us, and so many, has been for so many years. Uh, but especially now as we kind of enter into a an additional phase that we're working on, that we're excited about. Uh, okay, so let's go to the catechism. It is Thursday. I've been doing the catechism on Thursdays for years and years and years and years and years. Really, I'm, and I mean that. I, it's been, you know, this is my 26th year of Catholic radio, and uh, I believe I started doing the catechism on Thursdays probably 22, 23 years ago. So every Thursday, going into the catechism. Well, could it, could it have been that much? Yeah, because the catechism came out in 1993, so... Um, Anyway, this is from the Catechism uh, of the Catholic Church on the Seven Sacraments, Article 4, the Sacrament of Penance and Reconciliation. We talked, kind of a little preface on this yesterday, but this is a penitential season, this season. When it's a time of returning to the Lord, come back to me. Well, in uh, paragraph 1422 of the Catechism, it says, those who approach the sacrament of penance obtain pardon for God's mercy for the offense committed against him, and are at the same time reconciled with the church, which they have wounded by their sins, and by which charity, by example, and by prayer labors for their conversion. Very simple. <laughs> uh, it's called the sacrament of conversion, the Catechism says, because it makes sacramentally present Jesus' call to conversion. The first step in returning to the Father from whom one has strayed by sin. A great lie of the devil, and he has many of them, and regularly, is that when those temptations come, whether from the world, the flesh, or the devil, and the devil is there, and he's very much aware of our vulnerabilities, our weaknesses, uh, our passions, 
Uh, he knows. And he will always try to convince us that, oh, don't worry about this. It's okay to do. It's okay to say. It's okay to write. It's okay to whatever the sin is. And he'll be the instigator, right? But once we commit that sin, he becomes the great accuser. Right? He'll, he'll tell us how awful we are, how horrible we are. God will never forgive us for this. But we have to be aware of that. This, this returning to the Father from our, having strayed from him by our sins. The devil will tell us, you know, you're not really, it's not that bad. It is. If we sin against the Lord, it's we who stray from him, not the other way around. The Catechism says it is also called the Sacrament of Penance since it consecrates the Christian sinner's personal and ecclesial steps of conversion, penance, and satisfaction. It's called the Sacrament of Confession since the disclosure of confession of sins to a priest is an essential element of the sacrament. In a profound sense, it, also le- it is also a confession, acknowledgement, and praise of the holiness of God and of his mercy toward the sinful man. Do you ever think of it that way? We think about confession, and we are confessing our sins to the priest. But the Catechism points out, it's in a profound sense, it says, also a confession that is an acknowledgement and praise. We confess to the holiness of God. We confess of his mercy toward us as sinful people. It's called the sacrament of forgiveness, since by the priest's sacramental absolution, God grants the penitent pardon and peace. And again, there's a key uh, fact. Since the priest's, well, first of all, it's called the sacrament of forgiveness, since by the priest's sacramental absolution, the priest will, uh, you know, but it is God who grants the penitent pardon and peace. God himself. Uh, it is called the sacrament of reconciliation because it imparts to the sinner the uh, life. Um, it says, "Life of God who reconciles." Let me say, "Life of be reconciled to God." He who lives by God's merciful love is ready to respond to the Lord's call. Go first, be reconciled to your brothers. So it reconciles us to God, but. Again, if we live by God's merciful love, and He's ready to res- and are ready to respond to the Lord's call, remember, Jesus said, first, go first and be reconciled to your brother." So there's that. We talked about that in a few, a few programs ago about the even in praying the Our Father, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now, a question that you know many people say is, why do I need this sacrament of reconciliation after baptism? Doesn't baptism save us, wash away our sins? Well, baptism washes away the stain of original sin, and this is what the Catechism says. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of God. One must appreciate the magnitude of the gift God has given us in the sacraments of Christian initiation— in order to grasp the degree to which sin is excluded for him who has put on Christ. 
But the Apostle John also says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And the Lord himself taught us to pray, forgive us our trespasses, linking our forgiveness of one another's offenses to the forgiveness of our sins that God will grant us. You know, to say that, yes, baptism washes us clean. Most of us received that wonderful sacrament uh, as infants. In fact, last night I was watching the video of my baptismal day. It wasn't video at the time. It was, I guess, 8-millimeter film, silent. But uh, I guess my, um, my godfather, the man who is my godfather, uh, he had a little, a little brownie cameras, I guess, movie cameras. Hard to believe that they had them in January 1955, but <laughs> the middle of last century. But uh, it's funny you watch it because and you see the the film again. It's silent. There's no sound. But uh, my godparents and my father take me out. It was a Jan- January January 30th. It was a cold day. Obviously, I'm wrapped up in layers of blankets. Even my face is covered, basically. <laughs> my father's carrying me down the stairs, and they get into the car. My father, my godfather, and my godmother, just the three of them. And just those three went to the church. And those of you who know the area, St. Joseph's up in Pagoda, New Jersey, that's where I was baptized. And they don't have the actual baptism. I wish they did. But they show us going into the church, and then the four of us coming out again, my godparents and my father, that was it. There wasn't, that's, I guess that's the way they did it back then. And then we went back to my, uh, my home and waiting in my home was everybody else for the, for the party. <laughs> my, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, my sisters, and my my mom, even my mother didn't go to the baptism. It's the way it was done then. But by that, yes. Okay. The, 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 the stain of original sin washed away, but there comes a point in our lives, and when I was being taught, and I'm assuming it's the same, things haven't changed that much, it was the age of seven that we reached the age of reason, meaning that we would know right from wrong, and we, wouldn't, we, we would then be able to intentionally decide to sin. Now, I'm, I'm assuming they still teach that. I, I think I've told you the story about a situation I had with our oldest son, Joseph, when he was preparing for his first penance back in first grade. My, now, Joseph's 32 years old. So this is many years ago. But I was going over his studies with him one day, and I, and I said, you know, so what? tell me, Joseph, what's the difference between mortal and venial sin? And he looked up and he said, the what? I said, mortal and venial sin. He had no clue. He was getting ready for, for confession, for his first confession. Well, the next day I called up. <laughs> made a, I made a few phone calls. <laughs> and uh, got some information. I just, you know. But anyway, when I was growing up, and I'm assuming they still do, maybe that was one of those, those uh, soft periods where they weren't so sure about what was what. But anyway, seven was, was the age of reason, where we know. And we're doing something wrong. We're intent- we intentionally commit a sin. Full knowledge and will. 
And because of that, you sin and you have a stain of sin on your soul. And even though it's venial sin, it's still offending God. And, you know, God forbid you, we, we, you get into a situation where you commit a mortal sin that cuts off the life of grace in you. You know, venial sin is one thing. Venial sin, of course, uh, you need to get rid of those, get them off, <laughs> erase them. And you can do that at, at Mass during the penitential rite, a sincere penitential uh, uh, rite. And then throughout the course of Mass, leading up to communion, which in the state of venial sin, the reception of communion with, will, will erase the venial sin, you know. But mortal sin, uh uh-uh. Mortal sin, you need sacramental confession. And you mustn't receive communion in the state of mortal sin. If you willingly know you are in the state of mortal sin and you're knowing it and you still receive, you are committing a mortal sin on top of a mortal sin. So it's a sacrilege. But, of course, mortal sin requires three conditions. The act itself must be grievous, grave. You must know that. You must know that it's a grievous offense against the law of God, and you must intentionally commit it with that knowledge. Those three conditions must be met for it to be a mortal sin. So there is, and the catechism, you know, I don't know if it gets into it in this section, but it does explain that very well. And that hasn't changed. So the waters of baptism, although washing away our original sin, we still, as the Catechism points out, John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the tr- and the truth isn't in us. And if Jesus prays in the hour, taught us to pray in the hour, Father, forgive us our trespasses, even, ha- even after having been baptized, it means we sin. The Catechism says in paragraph 1426, conversion to Christ the new birth of baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the body and blood of Christ received as food have made us holy and without blemish, just as the church herself, the bride of Christ, is holy and without blemish. Nevertheless, this is paragraph 1426, the new life received in Christian initiation has not abolished the frailty and weakness of human nature, nor the inclination to sin that tradition calls concupiscence, and we talked about that, the leaning towards sin, which remains in the baptized such that with the help of the grace of Christ they may prove themselves in the struggle of Christian life. This is the struggle of conversion directed toward holiness and eternal life to which the Lord never ceases to call us. So this Lenten season that we go through every year we know to be a season of conversion. We all need it. You know, John Paul, St. John Paul, would often teach that conversion isn't just a one-time deal. Conversion, he would say and teach, is a lifelong journey. We're still on the path of conversion. I hope that by Easter Sunday, I'm a holier person than I was on Ash Wednesday— that in my own particular spiritual exercises, whatever they are, and I have a few of them, that it's enabling me to become a holier person. And that hopefully by Easter, 
I'm uh, different. I'm 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 more of a new man than I was on Ash Wednesday, and that's just this year. <laughs> and that doesn't stop on Easter Sunday. That continues through the rest of the year. It continues through the, through the rest of our life. We're on this journey of conversion that direct us toward holiness and eternal life, as the Catechism says, which the Lord never ceases to call us. You're listening to Catholic Radio, you're watching on YouTube or however you're participating in this program. You come to this particular station, this whatever, again, however you listen or watch, whether it's the radio or the podcasts or the videos or the archives, uh, you do it for a reason, because you want to become holier. You know that what you get here is going to feed you, as we try to feed all of our listeners, as great Archbishop Sheen once said, with what you need to know. Again, that beautiful quote by Venerable Sheen, if you want people to stay the same, tell them what they want to hear, right? If people are in a particular place in their life and, and, and they're satisfied and they feel that they don't have to change and they're, you know, whatever way they're living, regardless of, you know, how sinful it may be and what... But they're okay, and we tell them what they want to hear. Oh, you're okay. Don't worry about that. That's not that bad. That's not that serious. We tickle their ears. They're going to stay the same. Why should they change? They've got it. I'm happy here. I'm happy in this place. I'm happy the way I am. I'm happy the way I'm living my life. Just let me be here. Right? Sometimes we're afraid to step out in faith with people we know through fraternal correction, through uh, exhibiting a greater understanding of a situation to someone or, or pointing a fault out. or a, And again, it's a, delicate, there's a deli, it's a delicate situation to be in. But we're talking about someone's immortal soul. But if all we do is spend our lives telling people what they want to hear. They're going to stay the same. Venerable Sheen said, if you want people to stay the same, tell them what they want to hear. But if you want people to change, that is conversion, Bishop Sheen said, tell them what they need to know. And that can be tough sometimes, isn't it? That's why the Catholic Church is so much bashed in the world today by uh, secular movements because we're telling people what they need to know, and they don't want to know that because it infringes on their sinful lifestyle. It casts light on their darkness. It makes them believe that what they are doing is the right thing as opposed to what God asks them to do. They don't want to hear that. But 
you come here to listen, to watch, however you participate, because you know we're going to give you what you need to know to help you along in your conversion. Now this, as I said, I've been doing this for, this is my 26th year, an hour a day. Used to be I would do it five days a week. <laughs> Imagine that. When I was younger, I had more stamina. I had more radio stamina. But I got to tell you, for as long as I've been doing this, this hour for me is like a little retreat. Because it makes me think. I, it makes me read the catechism. It makes me read the teachings of the Holy Fathers. It makes me read the teachings of, of, of uh, the saints and refreshes my understanding of our faith. So I'm just like, I'm not, I, I don't consider myself the teacher. I just consider myself one of the students. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit do the teaching. I'm just the mouthpiece here through which he speaks. But think about that as part of your Lenten journey. If you want people to remain the same, Tell them what they want to hear. But if you want people to change and live that beautiful life of conversion, tell them what they need to know. And that will bring them home to the light of Christ. Okay, time is up. Tomorrow, big day, first Friday. Bishop's here at 3 o'clock. Cheryl and I at 4 for Friday Live. Bill and George at 6, and then Father Steve DeLacy with a vocation hour at 7. But all kinds of wonderful programs throughout the day. Stay with us right here on Domestic Church Media. Thanks for being my friend and my pal and being with me today. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you, and God love you. Father.